0: Welcome to New Destiny Christian Center's message of the week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Teresa Verdecchio. If you want to find more information about our ministry, please visit us online at www.newdestinychristiancenter.com. at my house. And so, you know, when you recognize, it's called the law of recognition, when you recognize what God is doing in your life and where you're at, amen, you stop looking elsewhere. The grass is not greener on the other side. It still needs fertilized. It still needs mowed. It still needs maintained, amen? But uh, I I, I was talking to a few people because I know some people, they're kind of like revival chasers, okay? Let me uh, pitch a tent. This is not where I was at. Uh, currently, because I know these people, they live a lifestyle, but there's some people, let's pitch a tent and let's run after the glory, or let's go to this conference and run after the glory. Or Many years ago, it was like, let's go down to Brownsville, or let's go to Toronto, and they would run wherever the presence of God was poured out. Many, many years, people ran to Bethel, and I don't have any criticism of that, but I've always wanted to be somebody, Lord, find in me, find in us, find a people that would take a shovel and dig a well right where they're at so your glory could be poured out in that place and in that location so that your presence could come to people and lift the hopeless and save the lost and rescue people and deliver them. See, I want to I want to host. I want to I want to be hospitable to the Holy Spirit. What he wants to do in the East Coast my conversation with God oftentimes says, Jesus, what's on your mind about the East Coast? How are you going to harvest the East Coast? How are you going to do this? Because you, are, you have chosen on purpose to limit yourself dealing with us in our clay feet. How will you do it? And I always think of John 15. He says, without me, you can do nothing. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask anything and it shall be done to you. So, amen, I am believing God uh, as, as never before, even as he's spoken to me a few things, even about the destiny of our city, amen. Folks, it is time to believe bigger, amen. It's time to be believing believers in Jesus' name. And so uh, there's a big difference. Amen. Jesus dealt with unbelief in the crowd every day, but uh, may it not be so in this house. may He deal with our unbelief. Amen. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief, as He said. All right, that has nothing to do with what I'm uh, ministering on tonight, but so be it anyway, Amen. That's a good word. That's a good word. Uh, I when I came back, had a wonderful report yesterday from Mindy in the kids' ministry. She said that four children who were all visitors all gave their heart to Jesus Christ. Now I'm like, Jesus, make them fierce little disciples and let them run after dad and mom and make dad and mom come to church, amen? I know a lot of people that went to church because their kids wanted to come back. Amen. So it's all good stuff. I'm going to be in uh, John 13 tonight, but I will be reading from the Passion Translation. Uh, So unless you have that with you, your Bible's not going to match mine. Amen. I am aware that it is a translation. Uh, So for all you Bible scholars out there, uh, this is uh, going to be uh, with intention. A couple weeks ago when I was in the pulpit, I, if you remember, spoke about uh, dirt Remember the blind man in John 9? He was blind, and Jesus, uh, the way that he dealt with this blind man is he spat in the dirt, made some mud, and put mud in his eyes. He put dirt in his eyes. And as I read that, I'm always like, yeah, because that would really help. (laughs) The guy can't see. And the revelation that the Lord gave me is uh, about blind spots, that there's dirt in all of our lives. There's things sometimes we get dirty, and we can't see until we can see. And when he opens your eyes and you see your blind spots, first of all, a lot of humility uh, begins to take place in your life because you're like, I, I didn't know that was part of my life. I couldn't see it. And you ask your closest friends, and, and they go, yeah, we saw that. And, and you're just amazed. You're the only one with the revelation. And, and the whole principle that I got from that is... Uh, Sometimes in the middle of our dirt, in the middle of our mess, when, uh, when Jesus opens our eyes and we can see, we become aware of our own dirt. We become aware of our own mess, and it causes us to have mercy and realize that God and others uh, put up with us and loved us through it, so how much more so? So I've, I've kind of been thinking on the whole theme. Of course, we know that we're made from dirt. Uh, we know that uh, Adam was made. The Lord God formed the man from the dirt of the ground. And any time that uh, uh, you're walking in carnality or your flesh, amen, there tends to be, uh, we sink to that dirt, all right? We sink to, to that base level uh, because of the curse when we fell into sin. But the thing about Jesus is he comes to deal with the dirt. He comes to help us with our blind spots. He puts people in our life. He, uh, he hel- has people in your life that when you're getting ready to, to cross over, have you ever went to change lanes and you looked and the semi was there, but when you looked in the mirror it wasn't there? It was in your what? Blind spot. All right, and have you had, ever had somebody in the car that saw it? You know, maybe they're a, a nervous Nelly, and they're looking around for you because they know you're going to change lanes, and they're like, no, 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 don't go, uh, and then you didn't go, or you don't even know why you didn't go. I believe that's oftentimes the Lord protecting us from us. Amen. You should pray every time you get in the car. You want to know what my prayer is? Lord, protect me from others and protect uh, them from me. <laughs> It's two-way prayer, right? We're all out there trying to get somewhere. Let's not bump into each other and have to exchange information. But there's a blind spot, and sometimes you go to do it, and you don't know why you didn't do it. Something kept you. I believe that was the protection of God, and it, it would have been catastrophic had, had had you changed lanes because you couldn't see what you couldn't see. And we all have blind spots. It is the proud person who doesn't think they have blind spots. It's the proud person who says, I can see, when we all have a measure of of blindness or dirt in our eyes. Why? Because oftentimes that dirt is there to create a dependency on God. And this is the fun part on others. All by myself. I pastor the most amazing independent people on the face of the earth. (laughs) Why? Because I've been an absolutely amazing independent person. All right? So I get it. We're all in this together. And so as I was thinking about this whole thing, you know, I'm like, Jesus, sometimes we wake up and we realize we have dirt in our eyes. (laughs) But that dirt in our eyes helped us to see you created a miracle out of it. Oftentimes, where the devil has made you dirty or where he's defiled you, if you will press into God and allow him to do a work of deliverance and totally set you free, the very area that the devil defiled you in, you'll stand and you'll defy devils in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because he will give you victory and freedom and you will have authority in that area that once defeated you. I don't believe we have to live in a bunch of fear, but I do believe that we have to live wise and we have to live sober in these present evil days. The Bible says in Titus, for the grace of God has appeared teaching us to deny all ungodliness, unrighteousness, to live soberly, righteously in this present world. Grace gives us the ability to live soberly and righteously. It gives us the ability to live in right standing. It gives us the ability to not live in sin, but to live above sin and, and beyond sin and to overcome sin as Romans 6 says, for sin shall have no dominion man of sin has dominion in your life, if there's dirt and it's like an encasing stronghold, the good news is in the mighty name of Jesus, you can be free. You can be set free, but you can also be made free. Amen. Who the Son sets free is free indeed, but he also makes you free, all right? That is when you walk out your deliverance. That is when you walk out your freedom. That's a difference between willpower. Anybody ever have any kind of addiction, whether it's to drugs or alcohol or food or sex or gossip or whatever it is, right? And you ever said, I won't do it anymore? How'd that work for you? 100% failure, right? Because eventually your will caves. But freedom in Christ Jesus is. He goes in, he deals with the devil, he gets at him completely out, and then he fills the Holy Spirit, he places the Holy Spirit in that once defiled dirty place, and the Holy Spirit takes up residency. And the Holy Spirit is kingdom, joy, righteousness, and peace in the Holy Ghost. Alright, so that's just a preview. If you missed that sermon, I would encourage you to go back two weeks from tonight. I believe it was... I want to say the 30th, something like that. Uh, June 30th or July 1st, I cannot remember. And you can watch that on on Wednesday night. Uh, But tonight we're going to be in John 13. And I'm going to continue this theme. All right, it says in the Passion Translation, and it should be on the screen for your benefit, but I'm going to read it here out of the Bible. It said, Jesus knew that the night before Passover would be his last night on earth before leaving this world to return to the Father's side. Like, you realize that's our journey. we got to get through this world to return to the Father's side. That's why when uh, the Bible says we need to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, I'm saying I'm looking around in 2021, there needs to be a little more fear and trembling working out your salvation, amen? This stuff that Jesus is just fire insurance and you can accept him as Savior and not as Lord, I don't know that I'm buying that when I read the Scripture, amen? So may the fear of the Lord come. And, uh, and help us to work out our salvation. I was just talking to somebody today. It's a little side note, amen? Colossians 3 tells us that we have to be translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. That there actually has to be an adoption process. There has to be a regeneration. You literally do have to go from being spiritually dead to being born again and born new. From an old wineskin to, an, uh, to a new wineskin. It, it, there literally has to be fruit and proof that you are the father's kid. The scary thing about this territory is that it is religious. The ruling demonic territorial power is religion. It says, go to church and perform and do this. And you can do that and not have relationship. You can do that and not be born of the Father. You can do that and not have the divine seed of God or the divine sperm is what that literally means in, in First Peter of God making you his child, being born again, translated from spiritual death to life because when that does happen, you will never convince me that life change doesn't take place. Because see, when you're really truly born of the spirit and the life of God is inside of you, though you may struggle and some things may be hanging onto your flesh, you don't feel quite right when you go to engage again. And then when you try it a second time, you get even a little more convicted. And you can sit there with the spirit of religion if you've only had a religious experience. You can say, well, I'll just go to church and I'm just going to ask for forgiveness or I'm going to tell somebody behind some, some wall. Or if... You say, okay, well, I'm a Christian. Well, I'm just going to go to church, and I'm going to come up here, and I'm going to get delivered again. And I'm going to come, and I'm going to get delivered again. I'm going to come, and I'm going to get delivered again. After about three times, you know what I've noticed, and you probably notice it too, if you're being honest with yourself, I promise I'm, I'm going to get back to this. Just go where the Holy Ghost is, amen? Oh, oh, oh. Sin has a deceiving agent, and when you entertain and fellowship with demons... There's something that begins to change on the inside of you. You begin to justify yourself. You begin to partake of that dirt. That's why he cursed the devil. He cursed the serpent. He cursed the snake. And he said, you're not going to crawl around. Uh, you're not going to walk around on legs anymore. You're going to crawl on your belly the dust. Why? Because dust and dirt and sin and all that decay, that is what we're drawn to. And sin has a deceiving agent in it. And then you'll sit there and say, I don't need to be free. God understands. God understands. It's okay. Um, It has has this deceiving thing to where you don't even want to get free. And then you'll be so deceived thinking you're free when you're bound. Well, I'll just go to church and I'll just perform. I'm always big on this. Man, if you're going to go to hell, get out of church. Go have some fun. That's a religious mindset that went, I can't believe she said that. Why in God's name would you hang around church if you want to go to hell? I mean, I'm just asking just for curiosity. I'm going to go to a prayer meeting and pretend like I'm praying. We know you're not. I'm going to go to church and just play the game. Why? Man, if you're going to live for the devil, live all out. Go for it. But you know what? If you're going to live for Jesus Christ, live all out and go for it and sell out. Stop whining about the splinters in the cross and deny yourself and pick that cross up and say, not my will, but your will. I will conform my life to what you say because you're not just my savior. You're not just some genie in a bottle, but you are the king, the sovereign, Lord of lords and king of kings. I give you my life. And then be so sold out to Jesus, you'd rather die than compromise. You'd rather die than be found in sin and in bondage and going back to those old things. Why do you think Galatians says, do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage? This is a deliverance house and a deliverance ministry and I can promise you this, if you have any devil, it has to go in the name of Jesus. You can be free and you can get filled with the power of the Holy Ghost that where that demonic residency once was, the Holy Spirit will come in and he will occupy and he will dwell. But what this isn't, this isn't a house for hire that I'll just go and drop off my demons and go get dirty again and come back in and get more demons and go get defiled and come back in and play a game. That's not what this is. What this is is a place where we drive the devil out and get you free and then you are now free to go from glory to glory, grace to grace. And if perchance you run into another demonic bondage in the mighty name of Jesus, loose them and come out In the name of Jesus, and you go on your way, grace to grace and glory to glory. This is not a place to play. The anointing destroys the yoke of bondage, and it is coming to dismantle even the religious mindset that makes you orphans rather than sons and daughters. I'm trying to get to this word. Because it says we got to return to the Father. you got to do your part in your keeping you got one soul. One soul. A billion years from now, you're going to be one place or the other. Get over your people-pleasing, coddling. I care what you think and not what my Savior thinks because I'll go to him and ask for forgiveness while I disobey him because I care too much what you think. You got one soul. Is that fickled opinion, their affirmation worth trying to fill that hole in your soul that is temporary, that's not going to last? Is it worth your eternity? No. No. May we die to people-pleasing. Jesus, I couldn't serve you because I was afraid of what my family would think. Well, my kid said, I'm like, wait, well, ha, blah, 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 blah. that wasn't even tongues, that was just like, oh my gosh, let me catch my breath. Your kid said, What? Like, like, you're the parent, right? When did you become subject to them? My kid said, I'm like, Bob, I made you, I birthed you. I'll apologize to you if I get it wrong, but I will never be dictated to by you. Can you imagine standing before him on that day? Well, I had great work for you to do. I had souls attached to your life. But you were so busy running around trying to fill the holes in your soul with all the substitutes and the cheap false idols and gods that you didn't get it done. And then if he says, well done, like, what's he say? Half done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into thy joy. You want well done or half done. So Jesus knew he's going to go back to the Father. All throughout this time with his disciples, Jesus had demonstrated a deep and tender love for them. You know, when you go deep with somebody, what's typically deep? Stuff, right? John May, he deals with septics and sewers. Stuff sinks. When you get deep with people, realize it's going to stink. Very few people have what it takes to go deep. And it says, and Jesus went deep with them. He loved them tenderly and he loved them deeply. Why? Because Jesus can handle your deep stuff. The stuff you try to hide, the stuff you try to polish. He knows it's there. Psalm 139, there's a book written with all your days in it before there was one of them. So before you lived your day, he already read your book. And some of y'all trying to hide what he already read. This should set you free. That he can love you in the middle of your deep. And if you are so fortunate and blessed, he can put people around you that will love you in the middle of your deep. I've I've been blessed to have a few people like that in my life. And I thank God because you know what? When you get deep, it stinks. I've had the wonderful privilege of being around my husband and all these construction guys when they hit something deep. And they scream like I do, and I'm not saying they sound like girls. Their voice is a little deeper, but everybody yells at the same time. Ah, what is that? It's the deep stuff. The stuff that makes you hurt, the stuff that makes you cry, the stuff that makes you want to hide it, the stuff that makes you want to deny it, the stuff that makes you want to ignore what's really, really deep. And I just don't think the days we're going into surface is going to cut it. Good teaching. <laughs> it says, and now, Jesus demonstrated a deep and a tender love for them, and now he longed to show them the full measure of his love. Isn't this interesting? Like, I've been loving you, but now I'm going to show you a full measure. Before their evening meal had begun, Christians always seemed to eat, the accuser had already planted betrayal into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Isn't that amazing? Satan, the accuser, planted betrayal. Don't listen when people accuse. Why? It's a seed of betrayal. It said, now Jesus was fully aware that the Father had placed all things under his control for he had come from God and was about to go back to be with him. So he got up from the mill and took off his outer robe and took a towel and wrapped it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and begin to wash the disciples' dirty feet and dry them with his towel. Here we have this theme of dirt again, dirty feet. A couple weeks ago, it was dirt in your eyes. This week, it's dirty feet. And if you know about ancient Israel, obviously they would wear have sandals, and they walked all day, in that terrain and uh just walking there i know for a fact i've had sandals on i've done it in sneakers all right it's dusty 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 so jesus says i'm going to wash their dirty feet (laughs) but when jesus got to simon peter he objected and said let me know if you relate to simon here i can't let you wash my dirty feet you're my lord I can't let you deal with my dirty feet. You're my Lord. i got to hide it from you. I can't allow you to do this. You're above this. You're the king of glory. My feet shouldn't be dirty. I'll take care of my own dirty feet. I've got this, Jesus. I'm the exception to the rule. Wash their feet, not my feet. I won't let you wash my dirty feet. Will you allow Jesus to wash your dirt? Or is the salvation of your soul enough, but all that dirty stuff that clings to you, all those places you walk that are filthy, that make you dirty? Jesus replied, you don't understand yet the meaning of what I'm doing, but soon it will be clear to you. I can't let you wash my dirty feet. You're my Lord. And yet look at the humility of the Lord. I don't know what it is about Jesus, but he's attracted to dirt. He's attracted to sin. He's attracted to demons. He's attracted to sickness. He's attracted to disease. He's attracted to the people that are rejected and outcast. He's attracted to the leper. He's attracted to what we are not attracted to. He's attracted to our condition when we would rather ignore our condition. And this is the sovereign king of glory that disrobed himself of glory and humbled himself and became a man and dwelt among us. This is the God-man saying, I want to wash your dirty feet. And then Peter, because you always have the proud disciple and the person you just thought of, it's because it lives in you, and that's why you thought of them. You only see in others what lives in you. In case you didn't know that. Jesus replied, You don't understand yet the meaning of what I'm doing, but soon it will be clear to you. I've walked with the Lord enough to know that's typical. Afterwards, I go, Oh, <laughs> I see. It's why it's faith so peter looked at jesus and said you'll never wash my dirty feet never what is your never with jesus you'll never wash my dirty feet never where is your keep out sign what do you have handled in your own independence I don't know. I realized in my own life, I didn't have to keep out signs. I had like electric fences. High voltage. Zzz. And the Holy Spirit, being such a gentleman, never transgressed that area. Here is the scary thing about God. He will never violate your will. He'll let you remain the same And if you choose not to grow, even if you choose not to let him deal with your dirty feet, guess what? He won't. Sometimes we blame circumstances, people, and even God about being stuck in our destiny when it's simply because we've told him, you will never wash my dirty feet. Your own choice has got you stuck. In the meantime, you're miserable, cranky, you become critical, judgmental. Look, if you grew up in church, there's a few things you gotta guard against. And that judgmental religious spirit's the thing that'll take you out, it'll keep you stuck in quicksand. You'll just move faster with religious works and you'll still be stuck. Jesus, you'll never wash my dirty feet. Never. But Peter, if you don't allow me to wash your feet, Jesus responded, then you will not be able to share life with me. I respect your choice, but your choice comes with a consequence. Either give me your dirt... And let me wash it, and let me deal with it. Or you won't share life with me. You'll blame, and you'll figure out all the reasons why you couldn't. But the greatest day in your life is when you face the man in the mirror or the woman in the mirror. Please stop shouting me down. i got to get through this. And then... Peter, being the all-or-nothing extremist, do I have any of those in the room? I I could raise both hands, but then you can't hear me on the mic. All-or-nothing people? (laughs) God, help us all. Lord, in that case, don't just wash my feet. Wash my hands and my head, too. He goes from, I'm not in at all, to, I'm all in! Jesus is like, ah... Hey, Pete, you already had a shower today. You're clean. I just need to take care of your feet. Look how dusty they are. Jesus said to him, you're already clean. You've been washed completely, and you just need your feet to be cleansed. But that can't be said of all of you. For Jesus knew which one was about to betray him, and that's why he told them not all of them were clean. After washing their feet, he put his robe on and returned to his place at the table. Can you bring me that chair? Well, let's do it right here, right here. Put that chair right here. Then hand me that basin. Mike Hill, come up here. Would you kindly sit there? I know I said your name right in case your mom's watching. (laughs) I'm going to do something if you'll allow me, right? You'll trust me, right? Jeanette, would you hold my mic? Imagine Jesus. The King of glory. I could have picked someone smaller feet. These guys got boats in this little tiny pan. <laughs> Imagine the King of Glory. He disrobes himself. And he Yep. He humbles himself. And he says, I'm gonna wash the dirt off your feet. So glad you're clean because it's just sock fuzz. (laughs) But Jesus sat there and he literally, the form of a servant, washed their feet. The king of glory, like he sits at the right throne of the father. He was at the beginning of time. It's the father, the son, the spirit. They were in the council room and they planned your life and your destiny and your purpose and he knew that we would be stuck in this earthen tent and that we would walk dirty roads and there would be things like Peter was full of pride. Jesus knew Peter was going to face the biggest test of his life and that Peter was going to betray him and so he washed the filth of peter's betrayal before peter ever did it because jesus was keeping his own stuff right because he knew it was the last night that he was going to be on the earth it says after he washed their feet you can stay there. It's a good young man. After washing their feet, he put his robe on and returned to his place at the table. And he said, do you understand what I just did? Jesus said, you've called me your teacher and Lord. And you're right, for that's who I am. So if I'm your teacher and Lord and I have just washed your dirty feet... Then you should follow the example that I've set for you and wash one another's dirty feet. Now, do for each other what I have just done for you. I speak to you timeless truth. A servant is not superior to his master, and an apostle is never greater than the one who sent him. Now, put into practice what I have done for you, and you will experience a life of happiness enriched with untold blessings. My question tonight is, if you won't even allow Jesus to wash the dirt off your own feet, and he's bringing in a harvest, and people are going to be dirty, and you must humble yourself and get down and wash the dirt off their feet. Not judging them, but interceding for them, helping them through, seeing their blind spots and saying, Hey, don't change lanes yet. Praying for them when they're proud and say, You'll never wash my feet or I've got it all together. Whatever it is, if we're going to be, and I know that we're called to be, the people that He wants to use as we shall host a great move of God. In fact, we're already hosting one. It does not have to be thousands of people to assign it the merit that it deserves to God be all the glory. But we have got to begin to wash the dirt off of others' feet. But Jesus said you cannot give to others what you haven't yet experienced. You can't give love away if you've not allowed him to love you. If you haven't allowed him into those deep, hidden places that are dark and dirty because of your shame, then you're never going to be able to get into those places in others. And I know that you're like, well, how does that even happen? It's so mysterious. No, it's things that are as simple as circle groups. Noticing somebody when they come in and say, Hi, what's your name? Tell me about yourself. I I really do want to know your name, and I really do want you to tell me about yourself. I've seen you here twice. It's noticing people. Not noticing their dirt. Noticing them and saying, You've had a few birthdays, but God's purpose is about to come out of you. The reason you're put on the earth. The reason you're still here. It's getting in there and freely as you have received, freely giving. But you know, I'll be honest with you if you haven't yet dealt with your own deep, where the sewer is, where everything stinks, because you got that, uh, I just got to keep it together, religious, Jesus, you're not going to wash my feet. I love you, but you're not going to wash my feet. You know the rest of what happens. You got to have your seat. Thank you. Peter goes and he denies Jesus. three times before that rooster ever crowed. Satan had entered Judas and he went, he betrayed Jesus to the religious Pharisees and Sadducees. And he was at trial by the end of the night. Jesus, knowing all this would happen, I believe that he took the form of a servant and he humbly washed their feet because he was washing off the filth of betrayal that he knew that he would have to take. That's the bitter cup. He knew they'd go to the prayer meeting with him. He knew they were well-intentioned, but, you know, he knew he was washing clay feet that he created John 1, for without him nothing was made that was made, all things were created by him. For the word was in the beginning, it was with God, it was God. Jesus was there at creation. He made these clay feet. But Jesus still had to get to that cross. Everything for our redemption was hanging on the God-man. And if Jesus had to take these steps in humility to wash himself of the filth of betrayal and to posture his heart, the closest people that he poured himself into for three and a half years, they would betray him, they would all run, they would all scatter. How much more so do we need to guard our own heart? Because days are coming, people you thought were, you're north, you ride and die, all that stuff. Everybody says on Facebook, I'm like, yeah, right. People say it. That's when you go, hold your breath. Everybody knows what betrayal is like. Everybody knows what. But you also know what it's like to be the betrayer if you're being honest with yourself. Maybe that's a little too deep, but most people, all of us come this way. Look out for number one, me and mine. And Jesus says, no, what I've done for others is what I want you to do. What I've done for you as your Lord and your teacher is what I want you to do. And we know the rest of it. Judas left quickly, went out into the dark to betray Jesus. Why does all that bad stuff happen in the dark? I've never had anyone call me at 10 a.m. and say, Pastor, I'm suicidal. It's always at dark. Why? Because the Bible says that we're children of the light, not of the dark. Demons work in the dark. That's why a devil will convince you and persuade you what you're struggling with. Keep it in the dark. Don't say it. Don't bring it to the light. Why? People don't want to see your dirt. Newsflash. We all have dirt in the eye and we got dirt on our feet. And Jesus has come to wash and cleanse and make us a consecrated people, sanctified and fit for the master's use. He then in turn wants us with that same compassion and humility to turn and wash someone else's feet. And they may not get it as quick as you got it. Can I tell you one of my greatest joys? It's not really a joy, but it is kind of funny. When people begin to work with other people and they get frustrated with them. (laughs) And they've been here like eight weeks. And I'm like, haven't you been here eight years? Uh-huh. It's easy to expect people to live at your revelation. Yeah. Yeah, when it took you eight years to get to where you're at, and you want them to be there in eight minutes. And I was like, hold up, Tonto. Are you still allowed to say that? Probably not. One thing good about the word police, they get their way. All you have to do is pray in the Holy Ghost all the time. That would be the only thing left you can say. So, church, I'm here to tell you in the kindest way possible. It's time to deal with your dirt and stop being deceived by it. And Instead of betraying one another, how about betraying your dirt? Instead of betraying someone else with the dirt in their life, how about you not worry about their dirt and you clean your life? I grew up with the saying, clean up your own backyard. Anybody else ever hear that saying? Of course, my mother's hand goes up. She's the one that would say it. (laughs) I never got it when I was real little because our backyard was always clean. See, when you clean up your dirt, well, actually, you got to come to Jesus. Let him clean up your dirt. You ever try to clean dirt and you made it worse because you didn't have the right product? Who has ever tried to attack a dirty window and you ran out of paper towels and you didn't have, like, the stuff and you made it worse? You're only going to make it worse. You're only going to drive the addiction down further. You're only going to try to behave harder. You're only going to try to sneak around more stealthily. It just doesn't work. you got to let him clean you up. And then you know when he cleans you up, you're probably a little more enjoyable to be around. You know why? Well, for one, when it rains, you're not going to drown because your nose is finally turned to the right side. Some of you'll get that tomorrow. <laughs> this is what I love about the cross. Doesn't matter how much you've climbed in the realm of education, social status, money. Doesn't matter where you're at, everyone's equal at the cross. All clay feet, all earthen vessel, jars of clay that he wants to make vessels of honor. But church, I'm telling you, when he cleans up our dirt, we've got to stop playing in the dirt. We're not pigs. We don't go back and waller in that stuff that he got us clean from. Just go ahead and stand on your feet. As I was praying on the plane back from the West Coast to the East Coast. One thing I'll say is I was with, you know, around 800 people. The majority of them were women, but it's because it was a women's conference, but there was at least 100 men there, 50 men, something like that, I don't know. And I said, you know, God, I long for the day and I celebrate the day. That on the East Coast, 800 people would be on a lawn all day, some under a tent, some outside, for 13 hours because they were so hungry for you, Jesus. Without coffee. Kia had to really dig deep in Jesus. But we found some, amen. Favor found us some because they were hungry. They had dirty feet. They're just like us. They're just hungry. Have you ever set out 18 hours, 13 hours, I mean, outside in the sun, listening to preacher after preacher because you were hungry? Now, if you've been to Africa, you could probably say yes. And when I was flying, he said, when you go back, I'm going to do something different in your in the ministry. Of course, I've talked to a pastor about this. He said, you carry a deliverance anointing. I've given you a gift. It's not my gift. It's his gift. To the best of my ability, I try to steward it, and I'm still growing and learning in it. But I absolutely know that when that anointing comes on me, demons have to go, and they have to obey the Lord, especially when you don't want that thing. And it was actually something that a couple people had said, and then the Holy Spirit, what they said, it hit my spirit, and the revelation came. He said, I want you to go back, and I want you to tell the people, get free and stay free. Live free. And due to very, very strong global territorial spirit that is the occupying spirit of this territory, the spirit of religion. And you know what I'm talking about. Where you go once a week or whenever you go and you just say, forgive me for I have sinned, blah, 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 blah. Religion produces orphans. And it's a merit system based on performance and it's you having to become good to get right again and that's just not the gospel folks here's the simple gospel it's so scandalous it's not fair Jesus became our propitiation which is a fancy word for our sacrifice our substitute the Lamb of God that all the sins of the world All of my sins, all of your sins, everyone that has ever lived was placed upon him. And also the sins that we will commit, even striving not to. And God poured his wrath upon his son. Because God is a holy God and sin cannot stand in his presence. the holiness of God, the justice of God demands a payment and that payment was the blood, the lifeblood of his son. Jesus did not come to save you from the devil. Jesus came to save you, to save me from the wrath of God. The God who saves you is the God you needed saved from. God poured his wrath down upon his son. He turned his back. And that is the one thing Jesus couldn't handle. That's the one thing he couldn't anticipate because he is God and he's been in the presence of God. He is the son. And he screams out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because God and his holiness and his justice demanding a full payment of sin turned his back disassociated, disconnected from Jesus his son because he became sin and he poured his wrath down and it wasn't until the wrath of God was satisfied and sin's payment made in full with the blood of his son that it was finished that's why Jesus could finally say it's finished that's how much he loves us that's how much he wants to cleanse our dirt but the glorious thing after Jesus went down to hell and continued the punishment until the ascension and the resurrection and all the glorious things we celebrate and live in daily until that happened we were orphans but since that happened (laughs) that moment Jesus became our sin he gave us his righteousness right standing with God the Father he made peace between us and Father God and not only peace that was ratified and sealed in the blood he made us sons and daughters no longer orphans no longer having to perform to be right with god because we can't perform to be right with god it's simple faith in jesus jesus i believe in the sacrifice it is that simple to receive that sacrifice and to become born again and then you grow in that walk it's not a cheap prayer I'm going to pray this prayer and then I'm going to go live like the devil in all my sin. No. You didn't get it, sweetheart. That's not what it is. You got religion. There is a life change because there is a nature change because you've been born from above. Now your spirit's born again. But your soul and all that dirt and filth and deep you got involved with when you weren't living for God, when you were an orphan looking for all that stuff in other places... That's where that spirit of God drives out those demonic influences. Those negative consistent patterns. That's where he comes to break those things out of your life. And then he fills you with the Holy Spirit. But what I heard the Lord say is when you go back, you're going to tell them to get free, to live free, and to stay free. Why? Because he wants you to be free people. I like the way I heard it free people that free people. Clean people that help clean people. People whose dirt has been washed from their feet so you can turn and you can wash the dirt from someone else's feet. Do you see how they will know you're my disciples by love one for another can work? Because when you're not an orphan trying to get all the holes in your soul filled with all the other stuff, you can finally rest and just become a son and become a daughter. And learn how to become a son and learn how to become a daughter without performance anxiety. Why? You don't have to perform. You just have to be. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you. It's something that he does, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Teresa Verdecchio of New Destiny Christian Center. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, please visit us online at www.newdestinychristiancenter.com.